what an exciting opportunity. And this morning I want us to take a look at uh, the tale of these two seas. These two seas are, are different in their makeup. They, they're different in what they carry out. And they're different in their, their benefit uh, to humanity. And the first one this morning we want to look at is the Sea of Galilee. It's the focal point of the whole region of Galilee. If you ever visit the Holy Lands, that is definitely one of the things uh, uh, they will want you to see, you will go see, is the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful. And, and the growth around it and, and the life around it, just, just a wonderful, beautiful area uh, to visit and, and to be a part of. It lies east of the lower uh, Galilee in the Great Jordan Rift. It lies uh, 685 feet below sea level. And its main source is the Jordan River. At its southern tip, uh, the Jordan River exits through a broad uh, fertile valley that has been inhabited since the Ancient of Days. In fact, ancient rabbis claim that Jehovah created seven seas, but that the Sea of Galilee is his delight. Here are some of the facts about the sea. It's the largest freshwater sea in Israel. Uh, we, we're very familiar with the Sea of Galilee. If, uh, if you've spent any time at all in, in reading the Word of God, uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was given on the, on the sea's northwestern uh, shore. It's the largest source of fresh drinking water and supplies a third of the nation's drinking water. The small valleys around the sea produce an abundance of fertile crops, wheat, barley, figs, grapes, vegetables. Commercially, the major industries of the region surrounding the sea are agriculture, tanning, boat building, and uh, fishing, and the curing of fish, all of which, which take place uh, on a daily basis. There are 22 species of fish found in the sea and uh, a great uh, sea to fish in. So here we have the Sea of Galilee. A real benefit uh, to the people there. A uh, benefit in, in, in just about every way. This morning I said we're going to talk about the tale of two seas. The second sea we want to look at is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, otherwise known as the Salt Sea. The Dead Sea is a, a, a landlock, uh, is, a, is a locked basin in a hot and arid climate. It's, it's like a superb uh, evaporating plant, uh, pan. It has a, a daily inflow. Now listen to this. It has a daily inflow of 7 million tons of water, but has such a high evaporation rate that the sea stays about the same. In fact, maybe drops a little bit each year. You know, that would be like taking a, uh, uh, one of those iron, uh, iron uh, skillets or whatever, filling it with water, sticking it in, an, in the oven and cranking your oven up to 500 degrees. And you just watch that water just evaporates out. And that's what happens here with, uh, with the Dead Sea. By the way, it's fed by the same source as the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River. The Dead Sea is 8.6 times saltier than the ocean. How many of you have ever been to the ocean uh, and, uh, and accidentally uh, swallowed some ocean water? Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? Is it not? Well, the, the uh, Sea of Galilee is 8.6 times saltier. Salt is its main extract. The Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below sea level, and it, at its deepest point, it goes another 1,300 feet. There's almost no growth surrounding the Dead Sea. And the main reason for that is there's no outflow. 
Now listen, here's the power. The same source that supplies the Dead Sea is the same source that supplies the Sea of Galilee. But there's a big difference between the two seas. The Sea of Galilee has outflow, and because of the outflow, there's a constant growth surrounding the region. The Dead Sea has no outflow, and because there's no outflow, there's no growth whatsoever. You say, well, what's the importance of this? What's the importance of all this? Well, all of us that have accepted Jesus Christ, we have the same power. That is the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. We all have the same power. And you know, it's interesting that even though we have the same power, our lives are different in many, in many ways. Now, you have the same power as the, as the greatest soul winner on earth. You have the exact same power. But here's the difference. The difference is, as the Sea of Galilee, because there is inflow and outflow, there is constant growth. The problem with many of us as Christians today is there is no outflow. There is no outflow. You see, you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you, and, 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 and He's kept there, and there's no outflow at all. There, there, there's, no, uh, there's no interest in getting out and winning souls for Christ. There's no interest in spending time in the Word of God and, and, and sharing it with others. And you say, well, then how, how do we rectify that today? How, how, how can we make a difference? And there's two things that we need to do. First of all, we need to see the need. The Bible says that we're, we're to, to go out, we're to take the Word of God, start here, and spread it everywhere. It becomes our responsibility. When we receive Jesus Christ as, as our Savior, we become immediate disciples for Him. And it becomes our responsibility to share the Word of God. And yet, and some of us this morning, our lives are stagnate, are stagnating. There's no joy, and the reason is because there is no outflow. I had a when we were in Ivory Coast, my wife and I, I got a call one day from a from a fella that I had known ever since I was a boy in that country. And he called me and he said to me, this is the question he posed to me. He says, Jim, he says, what do you do when you can no longer do what God has given you to do? And I was listening to him and I said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, he says, I've been a brick mason all my life. He said, when you needed your church belt, you called me. I came and, and he said, I did most of the masonry work for you. He said, when we needed other churches built, when we needed uh, 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 schools built, uh, Bible schools, whatever the case was. He said, that's, where I, that's what I centered my life around. And he says, I've gotten up in my years and I, I can no longer lift the block day in and day out, the heavy block, and, and, and continue to do this. He says, what do you do when you can no longer do that? 
I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, you need to be praying and asking God, what can you do? What does he want you to do? He said, I did. And I said, well, what did he tell you? He said, he gave me an idea. He said, I woke up one morning and he said, uh, in my village, and he was from a large village. And he said, I woke up one morning, I went out and I hung an old tire rim on a, on a mango tree. And he said, I took a tire iron and he went out, he says, at six in the morning, I went out and started beating on this thing. He says, you know what happens when you do that? He says, the whole village gets up. He says, they're all coming out. Most of them are mad. They want to know what's going on. Who's making this noise? And he said, I had some, some benches and some, some pews and different things. I'd set out chairs and that. And he said, I said, come on, come on, come listen. He said, I have something to share with you. And he said, I started teaching them from the Word of God. Now, Luco knew his Bible. In fact, I, could, I would put him up to any pastor. He could take a pastor on toe for toe. I came to the Word of God. And he said, I started teaching them the Word of God. He said, it was interesting to see the responses. Some just got up and walked away. He said, but enough were curious enough because they wanted to hear more. They wanted to know more. And they said, will you do this tomorrow? And he said, I came back and we, we've done this every day. And I said, so why, why are you calling me then? You didn't need any advice. He says, no. He said, I have a small group. And he said, we, we, we need to put up some kind of a pavilion or, 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 or hangar that we can meet under. He said, the, the rains are coming and we're meeting under mango trees. And he says, I need you to help me. How can we do that? I said, well, we'll pray and ask the Lord to provide some funds. Took about a month. I was able to call him. I said, "We do have some funds." I, I, I said, "Been able to get a hold of." I, I'd be glad to come down and and uh, bring those down. He says, "Listen, you come down on Sunday, uh, about four hours from where he was." And he says, "I want you to preach to my small group on Sunday." I went down to to his area, and when I went out there Sunday morning, you know what I found out? I found out that his small group was over 900 people. 900 people. And I looked at him and I said, Luco, I said, you, you told me it was a small group. This is ridiculous. And he looked at me and he smiled. He says, yeah. He says, God hasn't even started working yet. Wow. He was on fire. He was excited. You see, he saw the need. And the problem we find ourselves in today is this, is there's needs. There are needs right in front of us. And it's easy for us to push them aside or, or overlook them. And we want to look at the needs elsewhere. Because if we see these needs right here, it means we'll have to get involved. And we don't want to get involved with the needs in, in our local church, in, in our local communities. We'd rather push them aside and be involved in other things. And that's the reason, one of the reasons today that we find, even in our country here, that, that many of our Christians are, are living defeated lives is because there is no outflow. We're receiving it. We're not doing anything with it. You know, when you get, when you find 
And here's something exciting. And something happens in your life and it's exciting. You can hardly wait to tell somebody, right? Man, we get out the phones and, and Facebook, it's all over the world in, in, in two minutes. It's everywhere. We're excited. How come when it comes to serving God, we don't have that excitement? See the need. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power, and after, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, I challenge you to ask yourself a question. And the question is this. What kind of a witness are you? What kind of witness are you? Oh, oh, oh. I've been a good one. Well, let's put it this way then. Let's ask those that are most nearest and dearest to you what kind of a witness you are. I guarantee if we asked your children, they would have an opinion. If they're like mine, they all have an opinion. My children used to tell me, Dad, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, sit down and, 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 and let it, one of us know. I said, just for that, I'm going to keep you another 20 minutes. But what kind of a witness are we? You see, not only are we to see the need, but secondly, it becomes our responsibility to plant that seed. Plant that seed. Do you realize that we live in a world today of almost 7 billion people, less than a third of them claim to be born-again Christians? Less than a third. Three people die every second, 180 every minute, 10,000 every hour, 240,000 people pass off the face of the earth every single day. Does it matter to you? Does it matter to us? You know, as we were growing up, people die. And I told my wife, we had this conversation just this year. I said, Denise, I said, have you noticed that more and more people that are closer, nearer, and dearer to us are passing off? She looked at me. She's the all-wise one in our family. She looked at me and she says, it's because we're getting older, Jim. I thought, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But over 240,000 passing off the face of this earth every day doesn't matter to you. Do you realize that 65% of all children in North America have never darkened the doorstep of a church? 65%. I thought that's, that's impossible. When I travel, all I see is churches. Everywhere you go, there's churches everywhere. 
And I got to thinking about that. If 65% of our children have never darkened the doorstep of a church, what about in Africa? What about in South America? What about these other countries? What about these Muslim countries that are 99% Muslim? How many of those children will ever get to see or hear the Word of God? There are 24,000 people groups today with no written... I think God is calling. Sorry. There are 24,000 people groups today with no written word in their language. And of those 24,000 people groups, 6,000 of those people groups have never heard a clear presentation of the That ought to sober us up a little bit. What has God called you to do? You know, I wonder this morning if if we're seeing outflow through your life. Is there any outflow? Planting the seed. I was in a I was in the country of uh, Togo. And uh, Benjamin, Pastor Benjamin, who I would love to be able to get to this country one day, having troubles trying to get visas for him, he said to me, he said, Jimmy, he said, I want you to come and I want you to preach in my church. His church building, actually, Dave Single, most of y'all don't know who Dave is. He's been here a time or two. Their church there in Elkhart uh, put up the building for him. Paid for the building and, and, and had it put up there in, in, in Chevy. And uh, this church, uh, they built a church, a big church, big building. And within a short period of time, I mean, that, that, that building is full. And so I went out there that Sunday to sit down and to, to preach. And... He had five young men sitting on the front pew, all dressed, nice, nicely dressed. And he said to me, he says, he says, I want you to come. He says, I want you to meet these men. And I, and I went down and these five young men. He says, these are my preacher boys. I said, really? He said, really? I said, well, where, where did you come from? Where did they come from? He said, oh, yeah. He said, that's the story. I said, well, tell me about them. He said, these five young men were the most hated five young men in this village. He said, if, if, if it involved drugs, he said, they were in the middle of it. If it involved stealing, they were in the middle of it. If it involved vandalism, he said, they were in the middle of it. <coughs> and he said that the people got so angry, and, and, and they're fed up with them, that they finally told the, the police if they see him out in town themselves, they'll kill him. You put him in jail and let him rot there. They can die there. But we've had enough of them. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, he said, God began to work on my heart. And he said that, Benjamin, you need, you need to go down and you can make a difference in these guys' lives. These, and and, and you, can, you need to spend time with them and you need to teach them and train them. And he said, I fought God. 
He said, God talked to me day after day. He said, I fought him. I fought him for a month. He says, are you kidding me? He says, my life depends on, uh, on my carpentry work. He says, he says, my church isn't able to, to, to give me a salary. And he says, my life depends on my carpentry work. And he said, if I have these kids show up at my carpentry work, he said, I'll never sell anything. Nobody in this town is going to buy anything from me. And he said, God t- telling him, you let me worry about that. You do what I ask you to do. He said, I fought him for a month and finally I couldn't fight him anymore. He said, I went down to the police station. He said, I went and talked to the chief of police. He said, listen, if you release these guys into my custody, he said, I'll become responsible for them. He says, if they do anything, you can hold me personally accountable. He said, I went and talked to them. He said, I said to these young men, he said, I I don't think you guys understand how short your lives really are. But he said, God's given you one more chance. Now, I'll be willing to, to feed you. I'll be willing to house you. I'll be willing to teach you a trade. And I will teach you the Word of God. But he said, one slip up. And I don't care what they do with you. He said he took these five and he started working with them every day. He said every day before they would start in their shop there, they'd sit down and read the Bible, spend time praying, spend time reading the Bible, spend an hour in God's Word. And he said one by one, He said, God enabled me to lead him to the Lord. He said, do you know what these young men have done? He said, they have gone around this village and tried to write everything they've done wrong. If they stole it that, they paid it back. If they broke something, they fixed it or did what they could do to do it. Whatever they destroyed, they tried to to make it right. And he says, they've gone one step further. He says, one day a week, we go around this village, and he says, people that have needs, we spend that day helping them with those needs. He said, they have gone from being the most hated five to the most loved five in this town. He says, you know why? I said, yeah. I said, God got a hold of their lives. And now there's outflow. He can make a difference. The power of the Holy Spirit working through us. You've got the same power that the greatest soul winner on earth had available to him. You have. We have no excuses. You know, one day when we stand before God, we will be accountable for many things. I sure don't want to stand before God and hear that others, why didn't you tell me? Hear members of my family say, why didn't you share with me?
listen, folks, we need to see the need. And the way that you get about seeing a need is by spending time in His Word and spending time on your knees and praying. As we pray, God opens up our eyes and we begin to see the needs around about us. And then the power of His Holy Spirit He uses Him to help us spread that seed. Wow, what an opportunity we have today to make a difference. I, you know, it, this excites me to see this church. It does. To see what God is doing here. I haven't seen this church as full in, in years. But listen, folks. I don't believe that all of us are allowing the Holy Spirit to use us the way He could. Because if we were, there would be no room left. We need to get busy about His business. Not ours, but His.